Kingdom Fit series this morning. Just because Shane is gone does not mean we are not continuing with it. Um, when I think of Jim Curzon, I think of a kingdom fit person. I also think of a physically fit person. For those of you who don't know, Jim actually has had a heart attack, um, and he is not 40. I know he's kind of stuck at, at that age range as far as physically, but he's, he's actually a little older than that, 55. Um, so... <laughs> So uh, I'm super, super excited to hear from him, um, and I think it's really, really good to, uh, when we think of kingdom fitness, we're looking at faithful obedience in one direction over a long period of time. It's not a quick fix. It's not a, a fast thing, um, and so I just, I'm so grateful to hear and glad to hear from, from Jim on what he's got, so let's give him a warm, abundant life. Welcome. The long period of time comment, I was in the teacher's on this week, and Tim Wade, one of the guys I teach with, asked me if this was my 20-year reunion, because the 20-year reunion was coming to Tussle's football game. I said, yeah, this is my third time around. <laughs> <laughs> just about, just about. Well, Shane asked if I would uh, teach this morning and share a few things about aspects of spiritual growth, and then Brandon's going to ask a few questions, and I guess when you get to be my age and you've been a Christian since 1970, um, there hopefully has been some spiritual growth take place. So I think for this to make the most sense, I'm going to share a little bit of my uh, story of uh, becoming a, a Christ follower. So let's start with a word of prayer and we'll get started. Uh, dear God, just so grateful for the opportunity to stand before these folks and point to you. Um, you are so worthy and so gracious. Uh, the fact that we're all here today is just really a miracle. And the fact that you invite us to be in your presence uh, and spend this time together is just an amazing thing. Uh, I pray that anything that's spoken today would point to you and the amazing work that you're willing to do in a person's life. Uh, we ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. I was thinking about a verse in relation to this lesson, and this is in 1 Corinthians. It's probably gone on my phone already. No, it's there. 1 Corinthians 15.10 says, But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace toward me did not prove vain. But I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. I, I think the thing I'd like to start with that verse is, anything that's good about me is God accomplished. And as, as I look at my life, accepted Christ when I was 16 years old, at a Bill Glass crusade at Maslin Football Stadium in the summer of 1970 with my then-girlfriend. Um, it's been God's grace that's brought me here. And that's, uh, I, as I look back, it's really a pretty amazing thing. You know, the verses that were read this morning, verse 19, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. You know, becoming a discipler, a disciple and a disciple maker, has been a lifelong process. Um, when I first accepted Christ, uh, my brother Roger, oldest brother Roger, and our cousin Ron had recently accepted Christ. And when I made that decision, uh, we had a youth group of about 60 kids from Tussle mostly, that would meet on Sunday nights, and that was my first exposure to what it meant to follow Christ. Um, 
God ended up opening a door for me to attend Western Michigan University, which at the time was the number one party school rated by Playboy magazine. Um, and when I got there, they held true to their word. Uh, it was a party school. In fact, the second week in school, the RA on our floor came by and said, go ahead and smoke weed in your room. Just put a wet towel on your door to keep the smoke out of the hall. And that was the attitude of the university. Interesting place. About two or three weeks into school, this big, strong weightlifter come down the hall looking for guys for Bible study. He was actually looking for a guy that was in a room that I was hanging out with, and I volunteered. I jumped on board, and this guy was uh, involved in a campus ministry group called the Navigators. And uh, the campus ministry leaders at that time were Steve and Marie Ramey, that you've heard speak recently. So uh, I got involved in a Bible study, a weekly Bible study with a small group of guys. We went through a Bible study called Design for Discipleship. Um, and it lasted all school year. And then on Sunday evenings, we would go uh, with about 200 students, and uh, we would listen to Steve and Marie share the gospel and do praise and worship music, and just was really an amazing time of growth. Um, it was the first time that I really began to study the Bible. Uh, my sophomore year, I was sort of assigned to move in with a guy that was involved in the NAV ministry, a guy named Jack Lubker. And we lived together my sophomore year, and he mentored me and just walked with me in my discipling. Um, it was really a great experience. I also attended the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, which was just a handful of guys, usually five or six guys. And one of them was a young guy named Dave Corning that was a freshman. I was a sophomore. Dave was a, a great football player and had already trusted Christ but was really wet behind the ears so I put Dave under my arm, and we followed the Lord together. And I worked as hard as I could to stay ahead of the rascal because he was gung-ho. And, uh, you know, we did things together. We would get up early in the morning and go to prayer together. We did Bible study together. Uh, we just hung out together and just had a wonderful time. My, the summer before my senior year, Brenda and I got married, and uh, we began a Bible study and took four other couples through Design for Discipleship. One of those couples was Dave and Betsy Corning, all right? And also my ex-girlfriend and her husband, which was really, uh, that's a whole other story, but God, God used that in a really cool, cool way. Um, shortly after college, I was introduced to the 2-7 series. And Kevin, do we have these verses to put up? Um, Colossians 2.7 uh, is a, it should be the next set of verses here. Okay, all right, we'll make it work. I want to read to you Colossians 2.5-7. It says, For even though I am absent in body, this is Paul speaking, nevertheless I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and the stability of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him, you have to know the hand motions, established in your faith just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. So this thing about good discipline and the stability of your faith, you know, as I look back at my life, I think discipline has been something that's helped me uh, be stable in my walk with Christ. Um, as I thought back, for some reason, God gave me this crazy desire to play basketball, um, 
I mean, a passionate desire. Probably by the, my freshman, sophomore year in high school, I was practicing about five hours a day. Uh, an hour by myself, two hours with a group of guys, come home after a date and practice. And that was sort of a routine. And I think that discipline, and when I cared and went to college, and when you compete at a Division I level, you have to continue to, to train and, and be at the top of your game. And I think that really helped me in establish some basic fundamentals in the Christian life. Um, as I look now at the spiritual growth and thinking about the uh, spiritual aspect I just wanted to touch on this morning, um, I've been thinking quite a bit about spiritual alertness. And I'm not very good at it, by the way. Uh, but it's an aspect of spiritual growth that God's really been laying on my heart. And it's the idea, and I've been thinking about this over the past year or so. Um, those of you that are involved in public education, especially working with young people, there's a lot of, and I'm sure you run into this with adults, there are people out there that feel invisible, that no one sees them, no one notices if they don't even show up for school that day. They feel like they have no voice. And I've just really been thinking about that quite a bit. And God laid on my lap a video series and a book called Live like, Love Like That. It is a book by, uh, what's this, Les Parrott. And we're actually going through this in our Thrive class on Sunday mornings. And Love Like That is a book about loving like Jesus loved. And the first chapter talks about Jesus seeing an invisible person, and that person was Zacchaeus. Most people probably went right past Zacchaeus because he was a wee little man up in a tree, right? For those of you that learned that in Sunday school class. But he didn't miss Jesus' notice. He was not invisible to Jesus. Um, and the second chapter was about being approachable. And this is a story of uh, blind Bartimaeus. And Jesus is walking out of Jericho at the end of the day. And I can just imagine, think for a minute, the sounds that must have been going on. I imagine there's a loud, large crowd following him. It's a noisy city. And Jesus hears blind Bartimaeus crying out for him and stops and has him come over. And we, uh, we just talked about that uh, last week in our Sunday school class. Just what a, an amazing picture of Jesus hearing people crying out in the midst of a crowd. So the thing that's been, I've been questioning myself, you know, am I seeing the invisible and in hearing those who are crying out in the crowd that cross my path? Because I'm in a crowd of students every day. And I think there are kids there, I'm sure, that are crying out and that, that feel invisible at times. Um, about two weeks ago, one of my former teammates sent me a link to a YouTube video, and it's called Sheep Among Wolves, and it uh, just really intrigued me, and supposedly the fastest growing church in the world today is in Iran. Wow. And the, uh, the people that talk on the video, it's a two-hour video, the people that talk in the video are masked, you can't it's very blurry. Their voices are distorted, so you can't tell who they are. And they're talking about the, what do they call the place? Is it mosques? Is that where Muslims meet? That the mosques in Iran are empty, right? And that the greatest missionary in Iran is the Ayatollah because they figured out that 
based on what they have been saying, that they've been telling a lie, that they've been lying. And the fastest growing church and it's, is, uh, the, is the Christian church, and it's underground, obviously, and it's being led by primarily women. And it's an amazing story. And if you heard some of the stories, it just sort of makes the hair on your arms stand up. Uh, one story that really spoke to me was a story of a couple that left Iran to move to the United States to, to get away from the persecution, a, a husband and a wife. After being here for a short time, the wife started to plead with her husband to return to Iran. Right? Imagine. Now, let me explain, and they made this very clear in the video, that the women that are captured for their faith are raped, tortured, and usually killed. Then she chose to go back there than to live in the comforts of the United States. She made a really powerful statement. She said, there is a satanic lullaby here in the United States, and all the Christians are asleep, and I'm feeling sleepy. That's pretty uh, disconcerting. There is a satanic lullaby here, and all the Christians are asleep, and I'm feeling sleepy. She felt that this sleeplessness that she was feeling here in this country was a greater threat to her walk with Christ than living in the persecution of Iran. That's really pretty sobering to me. So as I was thinking about that story and thinking about the idea of being sensitive to the kids that I'm around every day that feel invisible and unheard, you know, uh, the word alert came to mind. Fifteen times in the New American Standard Bible, the word alert is used in the New Testament. Most of them are referring to being alert to the fact that Jesus is going to return. Amen? That's exciting news. But I have a few verses here about being alert that really uh, are, uh, you know, made, made me think. 1 Peter 5, 8 is one we're probably pretty familiar with. It says, be of sober spirit, be on the alert your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. 1 Thessalonians 5, 6 says, so then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. Colossians 4, 2, devote yourselves to prayer keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. So from these five verses, the question is, how does someone practice being spiritually alert? Well, one of the points made here was about being sober in spirit. So I looked up sober. I Googled sober. All right? Who has a dictionary anymore that's papers? Anybody have one of those things? An antique? There you go. That's my generation. <laughs> I couldn't find mine, so I Googled it. Um, sober means clear-headed, not intoxicated. You know, I think it's easy to become intoxicated by the pleasures of this life. It, it really is easy. Intoxicated means to lose control of our faculties or our behavior. And the idea of being sober in the spirit is we can't do that on our own strength. That sobering needs to be strengthening by the Holy Spirit. 
Another step in being spiritually alert is to devote yourselves to prayer. So what does your prayer life look like? Is it honest? Is it humble? Or is it a grocery list? Or is it time spent in God's presence? That's a big difference. And that's an area that I've been been wrestling with a little bit. Is my prayer time me trying to get God on my agenda or enjoying the time I'm spending in his presence? Another key to being spiritually alert is to stay awake. Ephesians 5.14 says, For this reason, it says, Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Being being spiritually awake. Another key is to stand firm in the faith. Colossians 2.5 says, Rejoicing to see your good discipline and the stability of your faith. So I think, you know, standing firm... Part of that is being disciplined. Another point is to act like men or women. Hebrews 5.13, for everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. So, you know, we have the opportunity to, you know, devour God's word, to take it in and to to, uh, chew on it and make it meat. It is meat. And finally, is to have an attitude of thanksgiving. And Kevin mentioned that this morning in our Thrive class, the importance of the attitude of gratitude. And I have by no means accomplished all these things in my life. But those are things that I'm striving for and trying to live for because I do want to be awake and alert because I think it's really easy to to be sort of sleepwalking, right? Jeff Martin, one of our family friends, says you can sleep when you're dead. I'm not sure. Give me a verse on that. Um, But I think it's very easy to sleepwalk through this life instead of being spiritually alert. Uh, One of the questions, and Brandon's going to be talking, uh, early on in my um, navigator studies at Western Michigan, I was taught the bridge illustration, uh, which was Christ at the center, Um, a rim of a life of obedience, and then the four spokes, the two vertical, were the word and prayer. That's our vertical relationship with God. And the two horizontal relationships of fellowship and witnessing. Thanks, my my voice back there mouthing those in case I forgot those. What did I say? That's what I said, the wheel illustration. (laughs) I'm getting older now. Yeah. The wheel illustration. So, um, you know, <laughs> I had a coach once. I think it was Dave Knoll, and he used to say, who took the fun out of fundamentals? And uh, I know Kevin had the pleasure of uh, playing for me. And uh, in my coaching, and I by, was by no means the perfect coach, but I definitely believed in fundamentals. And we spent the majority of practice learning fundamentals and breaking the game down into little pieces. And they were always asking me, Coach, can we scrimmage? Yeah, when we get done with fundamentals, we'll do some of that. But I still think that's true in the Christian life for to, to be stable. And I think the world is going to become less stable. And I think being rooted and grounded in our faith 
and for our children and for our grandchildren is going to become more and more critical. Brenda and I have spent a lot. If I look weary today, we got Dave's kids on Friday afternoon, right? Yes. And I've had some deep conversations with Elsie, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, I, and I'll close with this. Brady, you can sort of make your way up. So what's the big deal about being established in our faith? Isn't, isn't Christianity just a free pass to heaven and a free pass out of hell? No. That is what a, what a great gift. But that's just the beginning. God wants to have an intimate relationship with us. I can't have a very deep conversation with Elsie. She makes me laugh, right? Lots. So do the other crew. But I can't have that deep conversation. God wants to have an intimate relationship with us. That's why he wants us to grow up in him. I heard somebody rattle around back there. Okay, good. Thank you, sir. All right. Thanks, Jim. So uh, part of this Kingdom Fit series is, and I, and I just forewarning, Shane is going to give you challenges throughout, throughout the rest of this series. So be prepared for that. Um, in order to prepare for that, make yourself a challenge today. So take, take the, the last um, kind of half of what, uh, or everything that Jim had just mentioned and combining with um, what we're about to talk about and discuss now, come up with an action step. I really encourage you to do that and, um, and, and do something. Uh, a lot of people, uh, at times, we fall into this trap, almost this lullaby of coming to church and being convicted. The goal is not to be convicted. The goal is to be transformed. Um, and so let's, let's uh, partner with God in that, in that today. I just feel like we're not going to get this anywhere else. And we are, we're not, because this is the only Jim Curzon. That's a good thing. <laughs> and so I, I just, let's take advantage of this. So um, I have a, um, I'll, just, I'll just start with the questions. I'm going to veer off, and it's okay. <laughs> um, so over the years, what spiritual disciplines have helped you to become more kingdom fit. I know you mentioned a couple. You mentioned prayer. You mentioned being in the word. Um, what are, what are and, and the spiritual alertness, by the way, that's fantastic. I absolutely love that. Um, I think it's incredibly insightful to, to think on a deeper level than just some of the tangible things. Um, but what are some of the, the other disciplines that have helped you become kingdom fit? Uh, you know, I'm not physically fit, by the way. I, I'd like to be. Uh, but as I was thinking about that question, Wrestling comes to mind. Now, I don't know how many of you have wrestled in school. You guys are crazy, all right? The hammocks are all over here. And I remember in college where we practiced basketball in our field house, there was a, an, a mid-level sort of track around the upper area, and the wrestlers, they just made me tired watching them. But um, I think wrestling with God is, is a spiritual discipline, and I heard someone say that, you know, if, you've, if you're wrestling with God, he's right there. So one of the wrestling matches for me and God is who's going to sit on the throne. You know, you think of Christ at the center of your life. That's a, that's a battle because I want to, right? My selfishness wants to run the show. So that the battle of the daily decision of who's going to sit on the throne. And then the basic fundamentals like we talked in the wheel illustration, you know, I think early on, uh, God's word, I'd never really dug into it. 
that was something that really uh, was really, really helpful to me and then developing a prayer life. And then the, the horizontal things, those have always been a little bit of a struggle to me because I spend time with people all day long and my wife will attest to this. After I've spent the day with people, I come home, I really like to be left alone. <laughs> so that's a bit of a challenge. So, but the importance of being involved in a small group that can challenge you is really, really critical. It is awesome. So uh, wrestling with God, if um, I, I'm going to write that one down. I have never heard that before as a spiritual discipline, but I absolutely love it. Um, so, you know, when it comes to um, uh, being in the word and prayer and, and things like that, um, I just I'm curious to know what are your rhythms? What do they look like? Because getting into good rhythms and habits in that way, at least for me personally, has been a really difficult experience. And I thought I was there. And then I had a child, and it was like, <laughs> oh, man, I was, I'm not there. I'm not yeah. there. Um, and it just kind of shakes everything up. You've had, like, what, five, six children? Five. five. Uh, last count. Five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, balancing, like, you know, balancing everything in life at the same time while continuing to, to do disciplines. How did you manage that? How did you figure that out? Um, well, again, it's God's grace. I think early on in, in our Christian life, I heard a, I was at a seminar and heard a guy talk about time management. And he said something that I always remember. He talked about a priority is something that goes on your schedule first, right? A priority is something that you schedule around. So if spending time in God's word and praying is a priority, then you schedule your day around that. You don't just look for a minute here or a minute there to throw it in. That's, and that's been really helpful. Um, and personally, I know that when I'm in, the months that I'm in school, because I only get three months off in the summer. <laughs> <laughs> I know, that's not, it's really not that good. Um, <laughs> it's really only about two anymore. Uh, <laughs> but when I'm in a, a rhythm of school, then I know what time I need to be up, you know, what my day is going to look like, and Again, it, you know, developing those disciplines as an athlete early, I think, carried over and really was really helpful. So it looks like to me getting up in time to spend time praying and reading God's word before anything else. And that's, that's been really, really helpful. So you're pri- you, made, you just made it a priority, and so you scheduled it. Um, I've heard people mention the same thing. Schedule it and defend it. Yeah. So I would mm-hmm. encourage all of us in the room, let's look at our calendars. Yeah. And I think a big part of that is going to bed in time to get up early. You know, people can't get up, well, turn off Monday night football at halftime, right? <laughs> Which is a really big discipline. <laughs> but no, it is important to manage your time to, to get up early. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Shane mentioned, I think last week, uh, if we're going to live a life of discipleship, we have to organize our life around discipleship and not the other way around. Not, and, not what's or, left. Sorry, we have to start, yeah, we have to yeah. start with discipleship and organize our life around it as, a, right. as opposed to the other way around, yeah. Right. So I love that. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, so tell us about a time when you just grew a ton in a relatively short amount of time, and what spiritual uh, disciplines were you engaging in during that time? What, what was life looking like? Um, tell us a little bit about that. And as I was thinking about that, probably the, the shortest growth spurt occurred at the end of my freshman year in college. Um, I'd been through Design for Discipleship. You know, I'd started studying the Bible and so on, and I went to a weekend retreat. Um, 
in southwestern Michigan, somewhere in southern Michigan with a bunch of college students. And I remember really being challenged to, you know, commit my life to following Christ. And I can remember I had a living Bible, and on the margin by 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27, it talks about running the race to win. I remember drawing, you guys, have, you haven't seen my art ability. It's not very good. But I drew what looked to be a wooden stake in the ground, and I wrote the date there. My wife gave the Bible away. That's, okay. That's another story. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Um, but I felt like I had sort of been warming up for about three years in the Christian faith, and it was time to start the race. So that was my starting point to make a lifetime commitment to following Christ. So that, in a short time, that was probably the greatest time of growth. The, awesome. the spiritual discipline there, I think, is just that, that is decision-making is a spiritual discipline. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And I hear, I just hear you continue to go back to the Word of God yeah. every single time. It's going back to God's Word. What does His Word say? Um, tell us a little bit about the process of learning how to read God's Word, because I know that that's just difficult in general for a lot of people, um, yeah. and I know it's been personally difficult for myself. So what did you do that helped you to be able to understand and comprehend and, and rightly handle God's Word? Well, I think going through the design for discipleship was a really big step. It was the first time we'd ever been asked to memorize scripture. That was really a really helpful thing. Um, being around people that knew God's word was a huge thing um, to really help to understand it. Um, and I think, you know, finding a version of the Bible that was accurate but easy to read was helpful. Um, and I think when I, I was maybe a junior in college and still doing study with some, some of the NAV guys, well, uh, we studied the book of Romans and one of the, we had to take a week and teach a chapter of the book of Romans. So that was the first time I was required to teach it. And the best way to learn something is to have to teach it. And that was really a good, good thing. One of the things that's really helped me is, in preparing a lesson is to come up with a list of questions to answer. And as I answer those, then oh, that makes sense. Or I don't, if I don't know the answer, find the answer. So that's been a, a process to really help me. All right, I'm digging deep here, Jim. Okay. Tell me, uh, what are some of the questions you ask when you read the word? I'm just curious, what are some of the things that are in your mind as you're going through just your daily rhythms? Well, if I'm not preparing for a topic that, you know, I'd have to do that quite often for FCA. Um, or an su adult Sunday school class, a, a simple set of questions is, you know, what does this passage tell me about God? All right, what does this passage tell me about the person of Jesus? What does this people tell, what do these verses tell me about people? And what do these verses tell me about me? Write that down. That is fantastic. What do these verses tell me about God? What do these verses tell me about Jesus. Jesus? What do these verses tell me about people? And what do these verses tell me about me? I love that because if you take it and you simplify it like that, um, you can take really difficult, you know, Old Testament passages like I've been reading through um, recently Leviticus and Deuteronomy, some of the kind of the tougher ones to really understand. And there's been times where I've read through and I, I just thought to myself, I have no clue what this means for me personally. Right. I have no clue really what this means for them, for the Israelites back then, but a couple of things were really clear, is that if it was in God's word, he wanted it there for a reason, and it started kind of taking, taking a step back and looking at why did God want this in his word, and most, and a lot of the times it was to show uh, his, 
his character. Right. You know, what is he saying through right. these verses? If he's speaking the importance of following his commands, then, you know, maybe that shows about God that, you know, he, he requires diligence and loyalty to him right. or, you know what I mean? So I love that. That's, that's fantastic. Um, well, and the other thing is, you know, I'm not that smart, but there are people that are really smart. And, you know, some of the things we do in adult Sunday school that are on right now media, books, they're written, but there are some brilliant people that God has placed that, that takes the discipline to listen to them and to, and to read and to compare it to God's word. But there are some fantastic teachers that can help us dummies get through this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. And, you know, I think a lot of times we just use, we use it as an excuse. Bible's too hard to read. Right or I don't understand it, I can't comprehend it. It is 2019. There is, I mean, you we can you can go ask anybody that you trust that's a that's a, a follower of Christ and and get some good material. I think the, the key is starting with prioritizing it. If you prioritize right. it right. in your life, you'll figure it out. Right. And one of those your action steps might be going to talk to somebody. Um, I'm assuming you'd be willing to talk to people as sure. far as materials for if anybody wanted to come up and ask you afterwards as I well. I invite them to come to Thrive Class. Absolutely, right. Thrive Classes. I've learned 9:30 a.m. So Sunday mornings over yeah. at the Denver Building. Here, there yeah, you go. awesome. Um, so our faith journey, as you know, goes through different seasons. Um, quick plug for Christmas. We'll be talking a little bit about that. Um, tell us about a time when you encountered a dry season in which you lacked motivation to engage with God or he seemed far away. Um, how did you handle it? Now, I've thought a lot about that question, and, and, and I don't say this proudfully, but I, I don't know that I've been through any really extended dry periods. Um, I heard someone say long ago that, Reading God's word is like, sometimes it tastes like a steak dinner, sometimes it tastes like dessert, and sometimes it tastes like dry cereal. Mm. But those all have nutritional value, mm. and we need to eat regardless of how we feel. And I think that's helped me, um, and I think a lot of times that when I'm going through a dry period in one area, then there's another area over here that's not dry. Mm. So I don't know if there's ever been a time I've been totally wiped out. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there, there are obviously struggles that you have to go through. But there's also, and, and like Kevin mentioned this morning, if you have an attitude of gratitude, if you look at the amazing things that God has done for us, it helps those dry times not seem so dry. Yeah, absolutely. So I could probably guess, but what advice would you give to somebody who maybe is currently going through a dry season? It shouldn't affect our commitment to God's word, to prayer, to uh, you know, trusting God, regardless of how we feel. So in other words, okay, I'm, I'm feeling dry. I don't feel like I'm receiving much from God. Therefore, I'm going to stop engaging in the things that will eventually right. allow me to receive from God. Right. You could continue to commit, continue to right. do it. Absolutely. There's an old navigator illustration. It's uh, faith, fact, feeling. Now, faith is the train, and feeling is, this, is the caboose. And we put our faith in the fact of God's word. Hmm. If we let the caboose pull the train, we're, we're going to be in trouble. That's so we awesome. have to put our faith in the fact of the truth of God's word. Now, is it easy? Have I, have, has this been smooth sailing? No. Hmm. No, but God is still faithful. He's still yeah. in control. Absolutely. I've also I've heard people say sometimes we... Um, engage in spiritual disciplines uh, out of uh, delight, um, out of a desire and a motivation to do it. Sometimes we do it out of duty 
and God loves to turn, turn duty into, yeah. into delight. That's and so, right. yeah, absolutely. Um, tell me, so, you know, often God allows difficult circumstances, you know, to help grow us. And you mentioned that a little bit. Um, tell us about a time where God used a super difficult circumstance to grow your faith. How was he faithful and which way, how, what ways specifically did he grow you? Um, probably, I mean, when you coach, um, that's really putting yourself out there. Um, I probably would have been wise to come back from college as sort of a, you know, uh, a hero as a, an athlete, but then you get into coaching and that doesn't last very long um, because, you know, it's, there's a lot of guessing in coaching. Uh, you're, the hardest thing for me was to have a bunch of 16 to 18-year-old boys represent you because <laughs> you couldn't re- represent yourself. And God just really took me through a lot of, of challenging times. Um, you know, went through a really long losing streak. You know, I got fired as a head coach. And all those, all those times, um, God was faithful. I mean, uh, probably the coolest thing was when I got fired from as a basketball coach. Um, Dave, my son, was a freshman in high school. And I had been coaching some middle school football. So I just went to over here and started coaching football. And then Dave's sophomore year, I got on the varsity football staff. And here I'm a point guard and college basketball player coaching defensive linemen, the big uglies. Nothing personal, Crawford. (laughs) Um, But, you know, those are not the glamour boys that a point guard in basketball is. And I actually fell in love with it. And God just really used that. And I spent almost 20 years coaching varsity football. And just loved the coaching of it and the relationships I built with coaches and players. So I never would have chosen that for myself, but when God closed a door, he opened another one that was in a lot of ways even better. That's awesome. And for those of you that may not know, uh, Jim um, has led for how many, FCA for how many years? I've been in the building for 43, so FCA hasn't been there all but most of the time. Okay. So um, I don't know if, if Fellowship of Christian, Christian Athletes, um, there is a lot of different schools that have uh, FCA kind of chapters. Um, Tusla, what, what's the size of the school, middle, through middle school through high school? Uh, we have about 100 to 120 kids per class. 100 to 120 kids per class. They have about, at least, uh, you know, a couple years ago when I would come, about 100 kids that come to FCA. At what time in the morning? Well, that's become a problem because we moved it up to 645. 645. It was at 7 o'clock at that time. Okay. So we're actually, that's something you could pray for. Yeah. Uh, Because legally, uh, as a teacher, I can talk about Christ till I'm on the clock. All right, so my, my, my day starts at 7.15, so we moved FCA up to 6.45, but it's really hurt the attendance. I mean, mm. be a high school student and show up at school at 6.45. So we're talking about moving FCA to 7 to 7.30, but the last 15 minutes, um, I won't be doing anything legal if I'm sharing the gospel, but that's mm. okay. I'm not worried about that, but that's something to pray about. I'd like to... Yeah, I'd like to see more kids. Yeah, you got only got a couple more years. Go that's out right. strong. Go out. <laughs> <laughs> in a, in a flame. That's <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I just think that's amazing because, I, uh, you know, I, there's schools three to four times the size of Tusla that have three to four times less the amount of kids that come to FCA. There's been so many people um, affected by that ministry. And again, faithful obedience in one direction over a long period of time. So I just think that. I just think that that is awesome. Um, 
something else uh, that I kind of keep in track of the time. Yes, I am. I got it right here. <laughs> um, that doesn't mean that we're doing anything about it, but I'm at least keeping track of it. Um, so before the last question, I have I have another one. So I had heard somebody uh, talk one time about the Great Commission and the, the command to go um, can be translated literally as as you are going. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times we as Christians get in our mind that we need to do something different than what we're currently doing. When Shane clearly spelled out last week, I believe that most of the time God calls people to where they're at and to, to grow with him in that space. And so as you are going as a teacher, as you are going as a coach, as you are, are going as you know somebody in, in a nine-to-five job, wherever you are, make disciples that way. And that's what I see, that's what I hear from you, and that's what I see you doing. Um, I know you've engaged in different ministries and things like that over the years, but in general, you've been a teacher for 40-some years, and you've been doing ministry there for 40-some years. And so I guess, um, have you ever, you know, did you ever feel the pressure to do something different? Or was it always very clear that God's call was there at Tusla for you? That's a good question. I, I think probably most of us have had that inner struggle. You know, should I be in the jungles of Africa um, or being doing something full-time ministry? Um, and yet when I talk to people in full-time ministry, many of them don't have the opportunities that I have in a public school to talk to kids that oftentimes don't hear the gospel. So I really feel like, and I feel like I'm wired to do what I'm doing. That's why I'm still doing it. I heard recently, within the last couple of years, um, someone say that uh, to Jesus, ministry was the person standing right in front of them. Um, and I think we don't necessarily have to go out to seek a ministry if we would just open our eyes, right, in our Spiritual ears. alertness, right? Be alert to the people God has placed in our path, that there's where ministry can start. Awesome, awesome. I love it. All right, last question is how... Uh, how is God currently growing you? Obviously, Kingdom Fitness is a lifelong process. So how is he currently growing you? What spiritual disciplines are you currently engaging in? Well, I thought a lot about that, and this could go a lot of different ways. But I was really at, in, at the Thrive class this morning. Um, talk, Les Parrott was talking about grace, graceful living. And, uh, you know, this is my 43rd year in the classroom and for the first time, I have a young lady that wants to be called Theo, all right? Uh, she is struggling with the transgender issue, and that's something new for me. And, uh, and I, I would say pretty judgmental attitude on my part, you know. She wants, she's asked me personally to call her Theo and the other teachers, and I'm like, yeah. so we've tried to figure out ways around that. Um, but then she came up to my desk on Friday, I could tell she had shut down. We were doing something in class, and I could tell you, you know, she was not focused on plate tectonics for the, for the day. Can you blame <laughs> her? Oh, man. <laughs> well, you know something's wrong. <laughs> uh, but no, in all seriousness, she was just, she had shut down. And throughout the class, I could see that. So, you know, I called her up to the desk and just talked to her for a minute, and she was pretty emotional, and I'm just, you know, I, I'm just a jerk. You know, here's a kid that's got serious baggage. And I, so, yeah, so uh, God's been hammering me with that a little bit. Um, I'm probably coaching 
the most difficult group of eighth grade boys in football that I've ever been around. Um, just uh, lots of lots of baggage, lots of issues, and uh, you know, and am I listening and seeing the needs of those kids? So you know, those are the areas that God just is uh, continuing to hammer away at me, and it's a lifelong process. That is beautiful, and that is straight from the heart, and we appreciate that so much. And um, I am always so grateful to see people who have been following Jesus um, their whole lives to um, have such a humble attitude. It could be so easy to have this attitude of arrogance, um, and I've been doing this for so long, and so I know everything. Uh, Jim, I know you, and I know that the, the longer you live, the more you realize the less you know. Amen. Um, and, and the less you, you realize uh, um, uh, that, that, that you're not there yet. You haven't, you haven't arrived. No, I've got a ways to go yet. <laughs> I'm not sure how long that's going to last. <laughs> Eternity's, uh, right. it's, it's not necessarily too far, right. too far away. And I mean, I know you're only 40. closing but. thought, you know, <laughs> in, the, in the video that, uh, about um, the sheep among wolves, uh, the statement was made, you know, we're, we're not talking, we're talking about some pretty high stakes here. You know, we're talking about eternity. Uh, that's, those are some high stakes. This, this life is a blip on the screen. It's a breath, right? It's a vapor, it says in, in Psalms. So what, what's our, our, am I living for, um, the statement was made on the video that we have a choice. We can live to make this life more comfortable or we can live for eternity, and that's that. That's a big, a big, big decision to make. That is awesome. Um, Thanks for sharing, Jay. Hey, we you. appreciate it. Let's give this guy a round of applause. All right, let me pray uh, with you, Jim, uh, and then we'll uh, sing our sing our last song here. Father, we are so grateful for Jim Curzon. We are so grateful for the life you've given him. We're grateful for the ministry you've given him. I know there are many, many people in this room who have been personally blessed by Jim's ministry, either at Tusla or here at the church. I know I have benefited so greatly from him, and just seeing him as a humble servant is such a beautiful thing. Um, he consistently puts himself below others to lift them up so that they can see Jesus, um, and I'm just so grateful for that. Thank you that he is engaged in the spiritual discipline of sharing his faith um, because there's a lot of people in this room who wouldn't be here otherwise. We're so grateful for him. Pray you continue to grow him. We pray you continue to grow us in these different disciplines. Help us to be spiritually alert to those around us. May we not uh, look over or glance over those sitting in the pew to the right or to the left of us. May we not glance over those on the side of the road on, on our way to work. Mm -hmm. May we not glance over those in the cubicle uh, to, to the, or the office to the next of us. May we not glance over our family members, our children, our parents, help us to be spiritually alert, to, uh, to be sensitive to your spirit. We thank you so much. Um, Jesus, you will keep growing us. It's in his name. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.